This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're gonna go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. 93-7 The Ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovin. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Happy Wednesday to everybody out there. This is On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Bachman. He is the Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strick, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. It's hump day, baby. We ended, we, we made it halfway through the week, so it's, it's uh, <laughs> got a few more days to the weekend. Got some good news out there, some troubling news. Uh, well, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's relative however you see it with regards to Nebraska basketball. We're going to talk to Evan Bland when we – we get there in a little bit, discuss, I mean, a lot of stuff going on, still trying to figure out what's going on with Nebraska baseball. <laughs> uh, uh, NCAA tournament will be popping off in another few days again. It'll be another exciting weekend. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's good. I feel good. I'm excited. Ready to go. We on the block, baby. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to talk about, like you said there. I don't know if <laughs> it seems to be uh, a lot of things seem to always pile up against Nebraska athletics. So, you know, like you said, even the baseball team was kind of supposed to be the relief that we had and, and finally, you know, get the winning going. Maybe that will come around the corner, but They've been struggling. Like you said, Evan Bland uh, will help us dive through that here in about 25 minutes. Um, of course, there's big news today with the in the NFL with the Tyreek Hill trade. We'll get to that here in a little bit as well. But I do want to start with that Nebraska basketball news. It just, uh, it just uh, landed on us uh, at the end of our show yesterday, so we didn't get to dive too deep into it. Um, of course, yeah. Yeah, Eduardo yep. Andre going ahead and, and, and hitting the portal. Um, probably one of Nebraska's uh, best um, players as far as uh, upside were was concerned. Going, you know, going into next season, uh, I don't know. I, you know, he hasn't played basketball for too long. At at times, you could see when he would like outmatch his opponent, and he could do that with his size, right? Um, you know, he was really a problem, but then you, you could tell he was still kind of learning the game and other facets, getting in foul trouble quite a bit, um, completely frozen out of the rotation at times, especially early on in the season. How big a loss do you see this for Nebraska basketball? Uh, do you think that this is, uh, you know, something that um, hurts quite a bit, or do you think he's a guy that, you know, maybe if Blaze Keita comes in and Derek Walker comes back, could kind of, kind of get lost there with Bradenbach and some of those other bigs um, to where he just maybe wanted to go somewhere where there was going to be some clear playing time? Yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, right now Nebraska has uh, 14 scholarships that they have out there. Uh, you, we all know that the limit is 13. Uh, I think at this point, you know, he's looking at, he's weighing everything out, uh, understanding that Walker hasn't made a decision yet, knowing that Blaze Keat is coming, Goggles is coming off of injury. I think at the end of the day, Andre is probably looking at all of those aspects of, of what possibly may be returning and, and, and ultimately kind of looked at it and said the writing's on the wall. I only averaged 11 minutes a game. I'm still not really playing, getting any, any opportunity to produce. Once these guys come back, is there opportunity for more minutes to really be there or uh, are they going to continue to look over me? And so therefore let me go and maybe, maybe see what's out there for me to, 
to get an opportunity to get on the court a little bit more. And so I think that's probably where, the way he's looking at it. Uh, again, the decision with Walker not making a decision early, that kind of holds things in me to be in a three-man, big-man rotation is not necessarily a bad a bad thing. But the style of play doesn't look good for a three-man, big-man rotation. It right. looks more with Nebraska for a, a two-man rotation in the big-man position. So uh, I, I think that's what he kind of looked at from that aspect and, and kind of understood that his style of play, the way that he plays the game, him still being pretty raw and not getting many minutes is, is kind of making it tough for him to be able to stay with the Huskers. Yeah, and again, I think there were, were times where he looked really good. I mean, he could throw down some dunks. He certainly helped him out with rebounding at times. Um, I, I think the closest thing to a rim protection uh, type of player that they probably had this year. So, I mean, there were there was some upside yeah. with him, but ultimately only averaging, like you said, not not a whole lot more than 10, 11 minutes a game, about three points. So in that in that yeah. in that aspect, it's not a it's not a huge drop for Nebraska, but it certainly could be because I mean, you can count all those guys that could come back and, and take away his minutes. Right now, it's no sure thing. Obviously with Derek Walker. He'd be 25, I believe, if he comes back. So he's got a decision to make there. Um, Blaze Keita, from what we heard, you know, is a maybe at this point with Matt Maldelmasi um, being let go or mutually parting ways with Nebraska is how they put it. Um, so, it, you know, it, it can kind of look a little bit crowded there, but at the same time, he might have, I mean, if those guys choose to, to, to move away, I mean, he might be primed for a lot of minutes here this upcoming season for Nebraska. So I, I would have rather waited, like, would have, you know, you'd feel better for a Nebraska fan if he would have waited to make that decision to know what some of those other guys are doing. But I think the other part of it, too, is, and I, I know he's, again, I, I think that that type of player, if, if he could develop into um, what his potential says he can, um, I don't care what type of offense you run, and we see this in the NBA even, um, you know, it, it might be the, the modern day age game of of, uh, of three-pointers and all that stuff. If you have a 6'11 guy that can rim protect and get rebounds, that's still something that you can use. Like you said, maybe limited to one or two of those guys on the team now, um, but uh, certainly still something that, that, could, that could be helpful. But I think ultimately when you talk about Tim Miles, or excuse me, not Tim Miles, now I'm going back a little bit, uh, Fred Hoiberg's system, uh, is Breidenbach more of the, 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 the fifth type of guy that you would, you would probably like to see ideally for this offense, a guy that can stretch the floor, can you know take a guy off the dribble pretty easily? Is that, do you think, ideal for, for a Hoiberg's offense? Or do you think um, either way, I mean, if you, get a, if you can get a big man that rim protects and rebounds, that'll work even though they're, you know, they want to shoot a lot, shoot a lot of threes, all that stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, you you still can, can secure it. There's still some things out there. Some there's some guys probably still out there. Uh, there may be somebody that jumps into the portal as well. Uh, so you you probably will be able to find it. I, I think it's it's rather risky uh, to be looking at that as a as a as an option for you down the road. That is a risky option to take. Looking for a big man just to hopefully jump into the to the portal that can do what you really need. And that's rebound. You need rebounding. You need somebody that can run, that can finish do similar things that Walker did, but just be a, just a beast in the middle and just take care of things uh, in the, in the paint. And so, uh, you know, it's a risky, it's a risky proposition, but ultimately it, it can be done.
Well, and it is what it is too. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know. Like you said, it could have been something where you have kind of those, uh, those post-season meetings, and 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 he kind of felt like he wasn't his position on the team wasn't where he wanted to be, or it could just be you know something where Hoiberg wanted him back, and he ultimately just decided for himself to go somewhere. I'll tell you this, like you said, um, and maybe it's changing these days with the portal is uh, is that th- there might be a little bit more height out there, but those are usually those guys get taken up pretty quickly. So I'm gonna, I'm interested to see how long Andre will be in the portal because a 6'11 guy that's a that's something a lot of people like that's a, a skill you can't teach right is his height and you know it's kind of similar to um I guess when we look at the football portal um you know just elite pass rushers there's not gonna be a whole lot of elite pass rushers in the portal if they were there they'd be gone quickly did you get him strict you took that we could hear that man story. I was trying these freaking <laughs> fruit flies when you go and buy fruit when you go and buy, <laughs> you go and buy fruit. Somehow these freaking fruit flies find their way around, and they're just the most annoying little freaking thing. Oh man. yeah, I just get so about them. <laughs> I hope you got him. It sounded uh, like that could have been his end, <laughs> but that's a that's pretty good stuff. I also wanted to play for play this for you because I thought it was kind of cool, and it ultimately brings up the question as we jump into the Sweet Sixteen of who the best Big Ten team is this year, um, because you could go with the the two that won the the regular season you could go the one that won the tourney uh conference tournament or you could do the two that's still left alive uh but i played this uh not too long ago on uh the ticket water cooler but it's it's funny enough that i could play it twice uh, hunter dickinson the michigan forward uh had this to say about uh their current run through uh through the sweet 16 this season was definitely you know like not the best not the way that we wanted it to and you know other fans definitely let us know that particularly michigan state illinois who else? Who else? Ohio State. Who else? Oh, there's another team in there. There's, there's one more. Oh, oh, yeah, no, the team down in Madison, the red and white team. They definitely, they, 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 they definitely let us know how they felt about our season. You know, we heard those NIT chants. Uh, you know, they were hurtful. Um, you know, we, they definitely hurt. But, you know, it's funny how they'll be watching us on Thursday back at their cribs. <laughs> There's Hunter Dickinson, the Michigan forward, taking some swings at the rest of the Super Big Ten. Troll. Yeah, all those fans were uh, were teasing Michigan for not living up to top five standard that, that happened in the preseason. Also, a little note there um, that Michigan and Wisconsin, maybe you know, Michigan and Ohio State. Usually, if you're talking about a, a red and white team up north or, or wherever it is for for Michigan, um, they're usually referring to Ohio State because they don't want to say the words Ohio State. Um, maybe with that post-game little uh, scrum there between uh, Coach Juwan Howard and Greg Gard, I guess Michigan f- players at least don't want to talk, don't, don't want to say the words Wisconsin either. So maybe that rivalry is heating up a little bit. Hey, hey, rivalries always exist in the Big Ten. Sometimes people will find a reason to have a rival with you because they just want to beat you that bad. So, uh, yeah, listen, I love the troll. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. They deserve the right to do so after how they they played in the early stages of the uh, tournament. So. Hey, kudos to them. Kudos to them and 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 what they're doing right now. And and I I hope that they do make a run at it. If if Michigan, let's just say, because I know you're a big, uh, you you really think Purdue can get the whole way. So I I guess I know your answer to probably the best ten in the Big Ten is being Purdue. And I think that that's a, probably a fair answer because they've been highly ranked this whole year. You know, got to number one at one time. And now they're making this Sweet Sixteen run. But let's say they get knocked off and Michigan goes a little bit further than in this tournament. Would you still answer Purdue as the best team in the Big Ten this year? Because, again, it's confusing uh, when you have Illinois and Wisconsin split the regular season title, Iowa win the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, and now Purdue and Michigan are making their Sweet 16 runs. 
the best team in the Big Ten. I, I, I mean, I, I think it just comes down to whoever you're biased against at, at this point because there's no definitive answer. I, I really don't even see it's that. I, I, I really, truly believe that seeding, where you end up, who you match up with, and those matchups, how they, how, how uh, they, you fare with them, can be a determining factor is how deep you go into the tournament. Matchups mean a lot, and, and if you don't think it does, it does. It means a lot, and you can find yourself against a team that is a is a lower seeded team coming out of a small conference, but they actually match up good against you based on what you have, and and that's how you can end up, you know, getting getting clipped. And so I think matchups is where it comes down to, not necessarily who is the best team in the big in, in the Big Ten. I think it just really does come down to how you fare and match up with the teams that you're uh, seated against. Well, and of course, when it's a one game scenario too, injuries can can certainly yeah. match uh, can be can matter. I suppose. I mean, we saw that with Creighton. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, absolutely. I that yeah. was a big determining factor as to why they didn't get by. I mean, they gave them everything they had with what they had. With like but, six guys. You know, not having a traditional point guard, uh, losing uh, Mitchell, um, it, it was 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 tough for them as well because he was their, you know, one of their their guys, their point guards, and just had to kind of use somebody that really wasn't their traditional point guard. And uh, so they had two of their point guards that were out. So it was – it was – it was tough. It was a tough run for him. And Wisconsin, too. I mean, they lost Chucky Hepper in there. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Johnny Davis was ever returned to f- full strength after his injury against Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, th- those you know untimely injuries can also bring you to a halt real quick. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, plenty more stuff. Again, we'll, we'll wrap up. We'll uh, at least look into some Husker baseball numbers here in a second before we dive into it with Evan Bland. But I did want to get um, to this as well. Um, Major League Baseball is bringing back the Ghost Runner for extra innings, uh, which is, if you don't know the, remember the Ghost Runner, I think they, they've experimented with it in the past. They took it out last year, um, but they're going to bring it back, you know, with the shortened season and all that stuff. They, want, they don't want these extra inning games to go too long. So they're going to start a guy once again on second base. Um, he mm. won't count as an earned run, but every, every extra inning is going to start in second base. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to the NFL overtime rules and stuff like that where we have our arguments. Um, the biggest argument for a lot of baseball purists is that's not baseball. I mean, you have to I – mean, it's a pretty big deal to earn yourself to get over to second base. I mean, that, that puts you in scoring position, especially with zero outs. That's a, that's a huge deal, right? Um, do you like this? I, I know it is it – is, uh, it it's been done before, and, and we've already been through it, but, you know, just kind of bringing it back – do you like that um, because at least it will shorten the games and you won't have too many of those 18 inning games, but at the same time, um, I, I just don't know. It, it doesn't feel like you, you've earned it. You don't necessarily earn the win. Well, it changes the strategy, obviously, because then you have bunt. You, you, you can bunt the guy with no outs. You can bunt the guy to third. You're, you're probably going to get an, a run. Yeah. Uh, somebody's getting a run unless they defensively play it well or they just don't execute. And that's what it comes down to. Sometimes the bunt's not executed. It goes back to the pitcher. It goes too far. You're able to get the out. Sometimes it goes to the first baseman. He's able to throw the guy out at third, uh, depending on the situation. So you, you, yeah, it, it's going to be. It's going to change the dynamics of the strategy, obviously. But um, I, I, I don't. I, I think you can test it in different places. I think you can test it in college. I think you, you know. Um, I think you're able to score more runs in college uh, there, you know, just obviously with the aluminum bat, you know, that thing pops and jumps off a little bit easier, but um, you know, guys are just so good at the, at the professional level that it, it is tough in extra innings, regardless, it's tough to score period. Yeah. So yeah, I think it does provide a different type of strategy. You're, you got to line up differently with your outfield then. And you know, whether you, you do you play them in, do you play them deep? 
you know, do you shift them? However, things like that. Well, they're banning it, the it shifts now, too. <laughs> so, huh? so they're banning shifts now, too. So right. baseball is going to look uh, quite a bit different. Uh, along with this rule, an- another rule that's probably coming around is basically the Shohei Otani rule with the DH coming to the to the National League. Um, they wanted to make sure, basically, I mean, this is, it's kind of funny because it, it, it really, I don't think this rule would be here without Shohei Otani. Um, so it, it's interesting. If you're an Angels fan, it kind of benefits them. Is this unfair for Major League Baseball to do this for a specific team um but i mean it's it's not just for otani anybody can take advantage of this but it allows the pitcher to stay in the game as a dh even if he leaves the mound so otani can you know pitch for five innings and still dh in the eighth and ninth inning um even though he pitched that day uh i i i I mean i guess i just i don't see that as any other way except for the shohei otani role do you have a problem with them doing that it's you keep in mind this is baseball they need to get eyes on him he's one of the best young players in their sport but it is seemingly a rule that applies to everybody but certainly benefits the angels more than anybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah without a doubt there, there's going to i mean obviously there's going to be a shift being that you know they're, they're looking to change those dh rules um, give everybody an opportunity to DH. And so um, not having a pitcher up there, that, that does change the way that you, you, you select your lineups. How do you protect them? How do you cover them? Um, what type of guys you put before him uh, to maybe get on base and to allow him to do what he does and get, get bun opportunities. That's what they practice the majority of the time as pitchers. They practice, uh, they, they do regular batting practice, but they, but they also do a lot of bunning, <laughs> a lot of bunning practice. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a benefit for for some teams like that, but you know, I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating stuff. So somebody off the text line, and then remember, anybody can uh, join in the conversation. Uh, just hit us up on the Starter Hammond text line, 402-464-5685. Sten says, you should have to start with one out if you're going to take the Ghost Runner option. Uh, I think that would be nice. because I think that would be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's obviously not, in you know, it's not benefiting. Because then that, then that bunt. That bunt puts you at two outs. Yeah, you know most likely, and then at that point, yeah, I think I, I would I would venture to say that should be the. Well, case. if a guy is at second too, I mean, you could hit a single and, and and round him in if he's got enough speed. And obviously, if he's your ghost runner, you're going to put your basically your pinch runner, Best, your fastest, fastest guy, guy out there. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh it, it's just fascinating that you could get a run without an out without really doing much. Um, at that level, but of course, it's it's the same. You know, the the next half inning, the other team's going to get it, be able to do the same thing. So I kind of like the idea, like like he said, of an option where maybe you could kind of see some, uh, you know, managers kind of making different decisions based on what happened. I mean, maybe if if they took the ghost runner with one out and you don't get them out, would you? then you'd probably want the ghost runner because then a single can win the game at any time as opposed to maybe not going without it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, also, let's get into some Husker baseball stats before we break it down with Evan Bland. Reminder, Nebraska, 8-11 overall. They've lost their last two games. Their last outing particularly was not the, the most fun. Uh, but they start Big Ten play with Michigan uh, here in just a couple of days. Friday, I believe, is the first game of weekend series. And, of course, Nebraska, through all this struggle, um, you know, especially with Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the 21 to four loss is what I was referring to the latest time out. Um, the South Dakota state game for tonight has, has been canceled. So uh, Michigan's the next game up on the, on Friday. And I, I think even with this losing record and all this struggle, a lot of Husker fans still have a lot of belief that they can take care of the big 10 and the big 10 hasn't been very impressive for what it's worth either. Um, so 
that's kind of interesting. But just going through some of the numbers, too, I think, um, you know, if you're wondering what the problem is, I kind of, you know, dug into the stats a little bit. Uh, Husker baseball's troubles are basically everywhere. Their batting percentages are down from last year. Um, they're hitting about 280. This is by, by the end of the season. They're hitting about 244 last time I checked here. Um, their opponent's uh, batting average was 236 last year, hitting about 258 now. Or last year, their their runs were about 6.97 to, to – uh, their, their scores, I guess, per game were about 6.97 runs for Nebraska, 4.16 for the opponent this year. Um, the, Nebraska is down to 5.05 runs per game and about 6, up to 6 for the opponent. Um, fielding errors also playing in 36 fielding errors last year in 48 games, 19 already thus far uh, not games with 27 fielding errors, so they're already pretty close to what they had last year. So it's just kind of a mixture of a lot of things yeah. gone wrong. It's not one major thing that's overloading on Nebraska, but um, – It'll be interesting to kind of dive into it. And we'll have Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. He covers Husker baseball. Let's go ahead and, and get to break so we can get to him next and co- try to break through for Husker baseball. Maybe we can figure it out and get Nebraska baseball going in the right direction. Either way, hopefully they do. We'll talk to you with Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald coming up next here on The Block. <laughs> 